Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. go live from the white call hard seltzer studios it's overtime with william pattison jace brown and dawson wise uh, no stream tonight on twitter but we're still available on am fm and the brand new fan run radio website fanrunradio.com it looks great uh, a brand new website where you can get all of our shows all of our podcasts everything uh, make sure to go check it out fanrunradio.com brand new uh, looks great and we got a great episode ahead for today uh, chief Chiefs stand their ground in Baltimore in a huge AFC championship game we'll give our best bets as well at the end of the hour but we begin today's episode with the Vols upending Vandy in Nashville the fifth-ranked Vols roared back from a nine-point deficit late in the first half to defeat Vanderbilt 75-62 Saturday night in Memorial Gymnasium. Fifth-year guard Don Connect scored a game-best 32 points, his third time reaching that number in a four-game span to lead Tennessee to its 12th win over the in-state foe Commodores in the team's last 13 matchups. The Vols outscored the Commodores 45-27 in the second half and held Vandy to just 30% shooting in that half as well. Santiago Vescovi, Jordan Ganey, and Zakai Ziegler all combined for 32 points. Great production from them. Uh, guys, we now bring you into the conversation here. What are the takeaways from the Vols win on the road? Uh, to me, it starts with that this team still looks sluggish on the road. Uh, this was a slow start to say the least. I think that's an understatement. This was a, a really bad start for Tennessee, uh, and it had me sweating for the entire first half. I mean, really questioning, you know, is this team still bad on the road? Uh, you just can't let Vandy of all teams control the pace. It's not a very good basketball team, just talking plain and simple. Uh, you can't let them dictate the flow of the game. We said that on Friday uh, before before this game uh, that you had to set the tone. That was one of our keys to the game on Friday. So to go out and start the way they did and to trail at the, at the break, I mean, it just – was not a good start. Now, there's a flip side to that coin. I think the, the second half performance was better than we've seen in some of these road games, especially the one in Starkville, uh, where you played catch-up the entire second half, whereas in Vandy, uh, you you really caught up quick. I mean, they caught on quick, they got back in the game, and they pulled away. And it felt like they controlled most of the second half. So that was good. Uh, I think that's an improvement. Uh, granted, again, it's Vanderbilt. It's not like mm-hmm. the North Carolina game where you're playing the number eight team in the country. Uh, y- you know, you need – you need some more urgency in these kind of games. You got it uh, the other day, so I think that's good. And for me, the third one, and I'll just briefly touch on this because I know we're going to talk about these guys, the role players yeah. continue to impress. Mm-hmm. Um, another huge game for Ganey and Vescovy in terms of what they bring off the bench or for Vescovy out of the starting lineup uh, and just being themselves, shooting the ball. Well, I thought Ganey played a really good game the whole day. From, from the second he got in the game, I felt like he was instantly producing, uh, and that was big. And obviously, uh, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you need those guys to be good as we get further in conference play. Yeah. yeah, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, this team didn't panic while they were down big early. I mean, uh, we're so used to seeing this team getting down uh, in the games that they do get down early. They kind of just are frantic. On the offensive side, they're trying to move the ball too fast. They're trying to play at the pace uh, of the opponent, and usually that doesn't work out too well, but they were able to flip the script. They were able to get the pace back in their favor, and I think that really what uh, helped them swing that momentum. Uh, it felt like these guys had a lot of maturity uh, Granted, it's a very not good Vandy team, like you said, Dawson. So, I mean, they shouldn't have really been there in the first place. Uh, but for them to come back and end up pulling away like they did, uh, really good to see uh, some road composure from this team. Yeah, you talk about composure. Obviously, I thought the first half was pretty sloppy. A lot of 
just you know fumbling the ball away, turning the ball over, some bad passes, just sloppy play, and that's not necessarily expected on the road. But sometimes you got to find your groove, and I think in that second half it was really, really good basketball from Tennessee, outscoring Vanderbilt forty-five to twenty-seven um, for the game. Shot forty-nine percent. That's really good. Shot forty percent from three. Yeah, um, a couple really inspiring numbers there. Uh, a volunteers also finished tonight with a 13-4 edge in points off turnovers, uh, despite each team having exactly seven giveaways. Uh, also logged a 22-6 margin in second chance points as well. So getting those second chances on the glass, even though you're turning the ball over, still having the edge and getting the turnovers uh, off Vanderbilt. Um, so I think the second half was really good. I think he responded to a little bit of adversity on the road. Um, didn't really set the tone like we talked about, Dawson, uh, going on the road, trying to set the tone early, but you responded well in that second half, and I think that's a good win for Tennessee. You know, you're not always going to play your cleanest game early, but it's about how you respond, and especially on the road in a place where you lost last year. Uh, I thought it was a good response, and I think that's a learning moment and a learning curve, even if Vanderbilt's an inferior team. I would have liked some better defense on the perimeter. Uh, uh, Tyron Lawrence had a, a pretty good night, 21 points for him. Uh, also, a, a couple of times in that first half, too, I felt like there were a lot of open threes, especially in the corner. Uh, I felt like every time, every other possession, they were getting a wide-open corner yeah. three. Mm -hmm. um, so perimeter defense still remains, for me, uh, a point of emphasis for Tennessee. With all these guys uh, that you have at your disposal to defend, uh, I really struggle wondering why there's still open shots consistently for opposing teams around the perimeter. Uh, that's something, to me, that still has to be a point of emphasis going forward because – when you start playing these better teams, you can't be giving up open perimeter shots, in particular the corner, which is the easiest shot around the perimeter. So um, I, I like the response. You needed that. Face some adversity. But I still want to see an improvement in perimeter defense. Um, so connect. Let's get to Don Connect now. Uh, averaging 31.4 points per game in his last five road outings as a volunteer, posting 24-plus in each contest while shooting 56 of 91. Uh, that's 62% from the field and 17 of 36, 47% from three. Is there any way for teams to find a way to stop this guy? Even when it like, even when it seems there is, it, he just seems to excel. Mm. Uh, you know, got, uh, coaches like Nate Oates. We talked about Nate Oates a couple weeks ago before the yeah. Alabama game, and how he was very good at, at exploiting mm -hmm. guys like Connect and getting them to to not score. Uh, and yet, you know, even in that game, he he looked good. Uh, he, if if there is a way to stop him, nobody's found it yet, mm -hmm. uh, and that's terrifying for our future opponents. Mm -hmm. I mean, because teams have been throwing everything at Dalton Connect trying to get him to slow down and. He's just yet to slow down, especially over the last five or six mm -hmm. games in SEC mm -hmm. play. Uh, and those numbers, I think he's up to what twenty-eight points per game in conference play, which yeah. is nuts. I mean, that's just yeah, that's a sky-high number uh, in terms of you know who we're going to be comparing him mm -hmm. to uh, mm -hmm. in a few minutes. So if there is a way to stop him, nobody has been able to find it yet. Yeah, and I mean he's a nightmare matchup on the defensive side of the ball just because he can score from any level. I mean we've seen him. Uh, we saw in the Vanderbilt game. I mean he kind of just took over that game at some point. He was getting it inside and he was taking uh, mid-range jumpers. He was getting it done at the rack. He was shooting really well from three uh, Saturday night. So, I mean, just the consistency across all three levels of scoring for him, uh, I think that's what makes him maybe, uh, or as Jimmy Dyke said earlier today, the best player in college football or college basketball all around, excuse me. Uh, so, I, I think just his consistency across that board, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be able to. The first thing I think of when I think of Dalton Connect is instant offense. A guy yep. that doesn't matter what kind of situation the game is, uh, he can come off the bench or, or, or get the ball and make a play. Um, and, and you saw that in that Vanderbilt game where Tennessee's offense was kind of sputtering there for a little bit, especially in that first half. In that second half, Connect comes in, plays with a ton of confidence, taking it to the rim. A uh, couple of fast breaks um, where he just kind of glides to the basket. So fun to watch. <laughs> um, and I think that Tennessee has really lacked a guy like that over the past couple of years. And I know we continue to talk about Connect and how special he is, but I just think each and every game you see something a little bit more that makes you just go, wow, this guy's special. Um, you know, obviously we know he can shoot the ball at a really good clip. Um, he's he's really crafty and finding his shot as well. I've been really impressed with his ability to attack the basket as of late, um, and especially on on Saturday, getting out in transition a couple times and finishing 
in some high-paced situations uh, on, on a two-on-one or one-on-one down the court. I was really impressed with those plays. And I think, you know, as we talked about last week with Nate Oates, and, and I'm sure we'll see the same with John Calipari here in a couple weeks, these really good coaches are going to know how to put him in a tough situation. But I think that he doesn't have that many weaknesses offensively to where it's hard to know how to stop this guy. Um, I will say, and something he's got to get better at, and look, our job's here to critique and, and, and perfect here, um, I think he's got to be a better ball handler. Sometimes he's a little loose with it, yep. um, and he's got to have a, a stronger ball handle. I don't know if that's protecting it better, um, just not you know dribbling out as wide, I guess. He's got to get a little bit better with his ball handling, uh, but really, offensively, he's got a great game. And, and unless a, a team sends a double team or just has a guy that is a is a ball swiper, um, you know, steel wise, you know, this guy is really tough to stop. And I think you've seen the success of Tennessee over the last couple of games, and really for the most part of this season, uh, carried off the just specialness of Don Connect. And we'll uh, talk more about how special he has been this season in an SEC play uh, in the next hour. But um, let's get back to some of these other guys. Back to back games where Ganey and Viscovi add in ten plus points apiece. Something we've all talked about on here over the last couple of weeks. Getting some of these role players involved, we know how special Connect is, but you can't win a championship or or advance in the tournament with just one guy. Um, so you've got to get a couple of these other guys going, and I think Ganey and Vescovy both have started to get some confidence. Um, I, I think you saw that in the Vanderbilt game from both of them, and I think in particular for Ganey, I thought you really saw it in that Alabama game. Um, so how important was it for both these guys, Vescovy and Ganey, to both find their groove over these last couple of games and, and play well on Saturday. Well, crucial. I mean, we've been saying for weeks the impact that these guys have off the bench. Uh, Ganey more so, I think. Uh, Vescovy for veteran presence. Ganey for being that spark plug guy off the bench. Um, and, you know, the offense to me, it looks infinitely better when these guys are rolling. Yeah. I mean, it looks borderline unstoppable at times uh, where you can just have three or four guys on the floor that you know if they get the ball, they're going to get you a bucket. I mean, they're mm-hmm. going to go get you some points. Uh, and so that's huge. It takes a lot of pressure off of Dalton Connect, I think to be that number one guy, the only guy that can score at, at any point in the game. If you have multiple guys that can get you a bucket, mm-hmm. it takes some pressure off him. It also spreads the floor uh, and creates a little bit more pressure on coaches to plan defensively mm-hmm. uh, and, and makes it the offense into the threat that we know it can be. We've seen it do it now mm-hmm. uh, over the last few weeks. So those guys are huge, and in the tournament, I mean, they can become those you know ice-in-their-veins type of guys that can win you ball games. Mm-hmm. They can go get that last-second bucket. They can go get those crucial free throws. Um, guys that you know are going to go win you a game, so Connect doesn't have to do it the whole tournament. Uh, it's massive to get them back, and I certainly hope that it uh, keeps going the way it is. Yeah, I think the timing on it for me has been the the most uh, I mean needed thing for this team because I mean uh, you know Vescovy and Ganey they had those long stretches early and like halfway through the season where you're like these guys can't buy a bucket for themselves, and uh, one guy that comes to mind during that that spot that didn't really have that problem is Josiah Jordan-James, uh, and as of recent, I mean, he's just been throwing up offers. I think he played like 28 minutes or something on Saturday, zero points with like three rebounds, so I mean, having somebody on the offensive end kind of take that role away from him as maybe not being a one of the primary scorers on that offense, being able to focus on defense and round it out on that end, uh, I think that's really good from both of these guys, Ganey and Vescovy. Uh, it's also nice to see Ziegler kind of get back into it. He was on a roll for a minute where he was scoring a good like 18 mm-hmm. uh, a game for a five, six game stretch. So uh, seeing him get back into his groove as well, I think it's been really impressive. Yeah, 10 points on 36 minutes for Sakai Ziegler, 865-546-8200. Your number if you want to hop in and join us in our conversation about the Vols win on Saturday. Uh, I think it's very important these guys get back involved, and it's something we've harped on and hammered because I think it really is important as you go down the rest of the season. Um, as you mentioned, Vescovi is a, a veteran, a guy that's been there before. You need him in a tournament game where things could get dicey. Some of these guys that haven't been in this situation might clam up a little. You need a guy like Vescovi to say, hey, I've been here before. Let me take the reins for a minute until you get into your groove. And I think with Ganey, a guy that's instant offense off the bench, you need him in a situational uh, a basketball scenario, down a, a couple, uh, you know, nine, six points. You need a couple threes off the bench. He can come in with that confidence and get a couple of them. So I think their continual progression is very important, and I'd love to see more of it in the game tomorrow night against South Carolina back at home. 
Um, Josiah Jordan James is a guy that came on really strong to begin the year. Uh, in my opinion, was having his best start to mm-hmm. his uh, to any season he's had here at Tennessee. Yeah. Now um, he's slowly kind of dripped out of the mix, but obviously can get back involved. Um, I, I think it's a matter of of when and not how for these guys. I think, obviously, we've seen that they can be involved in these games, um, but it's just a matter of when they get involved now and how consistent that is going forward. Um, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. Um, Now let's talk about how the conference is shaping up right now. Um, Auburn last week drops to Alabama, drops to one at on, or excuse me, uh, back-to-back road games, I should say. Alabama, Mississippi State on Saturday, uh, with the win for the Vols. Uh, Vols now hold the top spot in the SEC. Um, how can the Vols continue to separate themselves from the rest of the conference? Obviously, winning is the answer here, um, but how can they continue to do this on the court? Don't do what you did on Saturday. You, you cannot be going down, you know, eight nine points to some of these teams um, because not every team is going to be Vanderbilt. Uh, you're going to face teams that are a lot better in the conference than Vanderbilt over the next few weeks, especially. I mean, we talked about those stretches that we have. You cannot do that. You cannot get slow starts on the road at all. I mean, you can't afford to do it at Rupp by any yeah. means, uh, or at A and M. I don't think as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just you can't get a slow start on the road. You got to set the tone and control the pace of games uh, and keep taking care of business in some of these games against inferior teams over the next few weeks. You got some big head-to-head matchups coming up. You got two against Kentucky, another one against Bama, Auburn, and and a hot South Carolina team on yes. home floor mm-hmm. uh, here this week as well. You got to you know maybe take care of business in a few of those games. I don't think you have to be perfect in those games. Uh, I think you could split with Kentucky, uh, but take care of business against teams like you know Alabama, South Carolina, uh, and get into the Auburn and Kentucky games in a chance to maybe not have to win all three of them mm-hmm. uh, in the conference, and then just keep doing what you're doing. Especially on home court, it's working. The offense is rolling well. You're getting guys back in now that you've been looking forward to. The defense is finding its mojo, um, especially down low. I think you're getting a lot better play down there over the last few weeks. So. So just do what you do best. Keep doing what you're doing. This is a very good and talented basketball team, and I believe it'll all work out. Yeah, I, th- I think like y'all have been hitting on these role playing players, just have to keep up what they're doing these last couple weeks. I mean, we've seen the jump for Jordan Ganey. Vescovy's finally found his groove back, like you said. Uh, th- so I think keeping that uh, rolling, especially whenever we're getting into the like the meaty part of this in conference schedule, that's going to be really imperative for how uh, this team keeps rolling. Uh, and I think just the uh, needs the continuing dominance from Adu down low I think needs to be a big uh, emphasis because I mean against these inferior guys he's been playing really well now he didn't really drop too much in the basket this weekend but I mean he had nine points ten rebounds I mean if you're putting up ten rebounds I I don't really care what you do on the offensive end you're still putting in work you're giving these other guys opportunities so if he can keep that rolling I'm fine with that but again he needs to just be able to hark down on these guys that uh, maybe aren't at the level that he's at. Yeah, I think the first thing is you've got to win your games at home. Yep. Um, that's where the Vols have been really good this season, undefeated, um, have really won every game pretty convincingly at home. Um, so you've got to be able to win your conference games at home. That's the most important part. Um, and then the away games is where it can get tough. And I think really – um, you know, obviously the Arkansas game will be a really tough environment, but they've got a lot of, of, of other stuff going on right now. A&M's a tough place to win at, too. We just saw Ole Miss get a win there this past weekend, so it's not impossible. Um, and then obviously we know going to Rupp Arena will be very difficult. Going to um, South Carolina with how they've played this year could be difficult as well, some of these trip-up spots. Um, but I think it's just maintaining your composure on the road. Um, can't fall – uh, fall down on the road a couple of these good teams like Vanderbilt, like the Vanderbilt game this weekend. Um, you know, you fall down on the road, a couple of these teams have the personnel to be able to make sure that lead stays how it is. Um, so I think handling business at home, controlling the tempo and controlling the, the, the um, I guess, the, the counter of playing on the road. Um, and also, you've got to continue to get production from from your stars. It's Dalton Connect. Um, he's got to continue to uh, make sure that he is playing the way he has, and I'm sure that he will. Um, and then also, as we've harped on all week and, and over the last couple of weeks, getting production from other guys, um, especially in these road games, uh, from guys that have been there before, yep. veteran depth. Um, I, I think that the Tennessee plan down the road for 
uh, winning a, a possible SEC championship in the regular season and beyond is right there in front of them. Now it's just handling business. And I think yep. um, I, I think if you do those things that I presented, you know, winning on or making sure you handle business at home, controlling the tempo and maintaining composure on the road and getting production from your stars and persistent production uh, from your veterans and guys that have been there before, I think that's the best way to attack it. Uh, when we come back, the Chiefs stand their ground in Baltimore. We'll dive into the AFC Championship game when we come back on Overtime. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get White Claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, Visit RogersHydrantService.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime on a Monday night and a big weekend in the NFL, a couple of championship games in the AFC and the NFC, and they both prevailed. Uh, the Chiefs stand their ground in Baltimore behind Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey providing enough offense, and their defensive teammates slowed down Lamar Jackson enough as the Kansas City Chiefs knocked off the Baltimore Ravens 17-10 in Sunday's AFC championship game in Baltimore. Mahomes went 30 of 39 passing and opened with 11 consecutive completions for 241 yards with one touchdown, resulting in a 100.5 passer rating, and Travis Kelsey added 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown as well. Lamar Jackson, a guy we talked about a lot last week and the past couple weeks, the favorite to win the 2023 NFL MVP, went 20 of 37 passing for 272 yards and one touchdown against one interception and a fumble, resulting in a 75.5 passer rating. The whole offense uh, as a whole only tallied 110 yards in the first half. Um, the Chiefs tallied four sacks and seven hits on Jackson, leaving the Ravens out of answers. 
how was this Chiefs defense able to stop the league's best offense? Firstly, they put pressure on them, and I think that's one of the things we talked about last week in our keys to this game for Kansas City was they have to get to Lamar, uh, and they did. Uh, what a game by Steve Spagnuolo for, for Kansas City. I mean, this was a perfectly called game defensively. Uh, they blitzed at a 50% clip, which is, again, an absurd number to read, but when you mm-hmm. watch it back, uh, they sent pressure on over half of their defensive plays, and it worked. You forced Lamar to be uncomfortable uh, in, a, in a situation in a game that he is not used to being in. Uh, and it paid off, especially in the first half. Uh, now, he found some success in the second half, but in the first half, I think you set the tone defensively. Uh, you stopped the run game as well. Leading rusher for the Ravens is Justice Hill with 54 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a run game that had been successful all year, you, again, forced Lamar to have to go make plays. Uh, and, and sometimes he did, but a lot of times he was not able to. Uh, and then because of that, you're able to force turnovers. And there were a couple of back-breaking turnovers in this game late. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Zay Flowers fumble inside the one was, I mean, brutal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the Ravens go from, well, we just scored to make it a three-point game to we don't even have the ball, football anymore. Your defense has to go right back out there. Uh, and try to you know try to get you another stop, uh, and then on your next drive, Lamar throws into triple coverage in the end zone uh, and throws an interception, and and that felt almost like the dagger in the ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Baltimore gets a chance to win the game late, uh, is not able to do so, uh, but man, this it, you know those turnovers they came back to bite them big. Yeah, and I think uh, just the Ravens giving up those 17 first-half points and getting down that early really took uh, – really threw a wrench into things for the offensive play calling. I mean, you – I mean, this team has been really able to rush the ball pretty at a really good uh, rate all year. And then, uh, like you said, only 81 rush yards on only 16 attempts. Uh, so they really didn't rely on the rush uh, in the second half very much at all. Uh, I mean, I don't even remember last time I'd, I've heard of Lamar Jackson throwing more than 30 passes, let alone 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think making him uh, throw the ball more often than they needed to uh, really changed things up. And they were going to make Lamar Jackson Jackson beat him through the air, and he couldn't. Yeah, I think the theme for this game would be in Spags we trust, and that's what a lot of the <laughs> players uh, were were flaunting after the game. I think they also wore it pregame. Um, but you know, Spagnolo did a, an incredible job of putting pressure on Jackson. I think that was really the theme of the game. Uh, coming into it, we knew that they were going to have to put pressure on him, very similar to what the Texans did uh, last weekend. And their problem was they cannot get the the man the man coverage uh, uh, down in, in the passing game, and, and and Jackson was able to uh, just just have his way. And I think the the Chiefs accomplished three things at once. They were all able to offer the pressure on Jackson. Uh, they controlled him within the pocket and outside the pocket. And they also dominated in man to man coverage. And when you do those three things against Jackson and really any quarterback. Uh, it's it's tough to find a way to win, um, and that's why I love Justice Hill, and that was one of my X, X factors in this matchup was because, you know, you're going to have to have a guy that's kind of having that check down right out of the backfield, and a lot of the receptions, especially in that game when it mattered, um, were going to Justice Hill because they didn't have any other options. Now, obviously, they had that really big break. Zay Flowers cuts down the field, gets a huge play. Uh, dumbass penalty, by the way. Yeah, oh, um, man. You gotta, I, just, I hated that call, though. Well, I look, hate that like, call, but I understand it at the yes, same time. Look, yeah. I mean, you can hate the call, but it's just you got to read the room. First off, buddy, you're down at home, and you're trying to make a comeback. You can't afford to be taunting, and, and let alone shoving him into the ground and then throwing – like, come on, you got to read the room a little bit better. Uh, a tough drive for him, a roller coaster drive it was, because you had the big play, the penalty – then you get the ball back, get a, guard, a gain of like eight, and then you roll into the end zone and fumble it. Uh, a tough drive for him. But I think the, the overall opinion of this game was the Chiefs were able to make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. And when you looked at the two quarterbacks in that game, one quarterback looked like he'd been there many of times, and the other looked like he was still trying to figure out how to make this thing work with all the pressure coming at him. Um, uh, Drew Tranquil... Uh, Chiefs linebacker came out after the game and said that they did a cage rush on him. Um, so using Chris Jones and guys like Karloftis, um, having one guy on the inside, having one guy on the right side, one ha- one guy on the left side, literally just 
and caging him in, and they did a great job. And I think the Chiefs' defense uh, deserves a ton of credit. Obviously, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, what he was able to do was incredible as well. That Chiefs' defense solely stopped that team that has been so hot under Todd Munkin all season. Uh, yeah. The reason why Lamar Jackson's the MVP favorite, uh, they did their job. And, yeah. and I think that they were so uncomfortable that they had to kind of go – off script, you say that they, they totally abandoned the run, really. Mm. Um, and anytime a team makes you do that, you're in trouble, in my opinion. And the Chiefs were able to do that. Um, so now let's kind of focus here on the Ravens. Obviously, Lamar Jackson struggled, but is the Ravens' defense also to blame here? Uh, to a degree, maybe for the first half. Um, you know, you give up 17 first half points, especially to Mahomes. Uh, you know, that's always a problem. But your offense, I think, could have done more in the first half as well and kept that a closer game. And the defense, uh, they had chances to give up more than 17 in that first half, mm-hmm. uh, notably that drive going into halftime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of those penalties happened, and I thought for yeah. sure they were going to give up seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, just costing themselves yards. They hold, and they hold them to three. And they gave Baltimore, what, six chances in the second half? Yeah. And yeah. you come away with three points. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just unacceptable in your home field. For an offense that's been so highly rated all year, you come away with three and six drives. I mean, it's drive after drive stalled. The defense is going out there and just locking down, mm-hmm. yeah. making big play after big play. Kyle Hamilton was all over the field yeah. in the second half. Yeah. yeah, every single time that somebody laid a big hit, it got up. It was number fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you were getting big plays from all over the place. Marlon Humphrey, I thought, was good in this game as well. You played so well in the second half. I don't. I don't think you can blame the Ravens' defense as much when your offense is just not really producing if either of those fourth quarter drives end in touchdowns you're driving for the lead with three minutes to go yeah mm-hmm. so you have to convert your defense did literally everything they could for the last 30 minutes of that game and allowed zero second half points mm-hmm. yeah uh, and made big plays and you just never got into it as an offense no yeah I, I think the second half absolutely you cannot blame that defense I think like you said they gave that they gave that potent offense that we've known to come and love from from the Ravens every chance possible and you know while the Ravens were moving the ball pretty decently in that second half they kept shooting themselves in the foot so I mean I, I can't really blame the Ravens defense just besides that first half like you said you can't give up 17 first half points to Patrick Mahomes and be comfortable for the rest of the game uh, so I, I really do think this one lays more on the offensive side uh, yeah Kyle Hamilton played incredible uh, flying all over the field I, I thought they did really well up front uh, in the second half as well, getting getting p- pressure on Mahomes, uh, forcing him to make some uh, crazy plays that we've known uh, for him to pl- to make. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm mainly putting this one on the offense. In the first half, I was disappointed with the Ravens' defense. I mean, the Chiefs came out there, were able to move the ball uh, down their throat in that first drive. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you had three consecutive <clears throat> plays of ten plus yards, and um, they end up converting on that fourth down play. Um, and, and they go down and score. So, and and even after that drive, there were a couple more instances. Obviously, it's impossible to contain Mahomes, and you know that play where he flips it up in the air and, and Kelsey oh, catches man. it. Just crazy, just crazy good plays that only a couple players can make, and and that's Kelsey and Mahomes. But um, still, I thought early on, you know, if you're the home team, you've got to play to your advantage of having that. Uh, having that advantage of having your fans there, having that noise factor, and the quickest way to take out a home fo- home field advantage is go down early and allow the other team to put up a bunch of points, and that's exactly what happened. Now, second half they adjusted. Uh, Chiefs were not able to move the ball as well. I thought that first drive of the second half where uh, the Chiefs got the ball back, a huge moment in that game. Ravens get off the field really quickly, give the ball back to their offense, um, but I think it came down to – uh, the Ravens' inability to execute after getting stops defensively. Um, and, and there are a couple of different plays when you look back on that game and say, uh, you know, the Ravens probably wish they had that one back. Obviously, the Zay Flowers fumble into the end zone is kind of uh, just one of those freak plays. Really nothing you can do to, to fix that, I guess, ball security. But um, when you're diving into the end zone and you, you you don't see it, it's one of those tough scenarios. Ironically, same thing that happened to Nicole Hardman last week yes, in Buffalo yeah, that uh-huh. I thought for a second was going to cost Kansas City the game. It yeah. goes the other way for them this yeah, week. Yeah, I guess that's the football gods coming yeah, back and so. evening things out. Yeah. But I thought the the biggest play of the game was probably the uh, interception from, from uh, uh, Jackson mm-hmm. in the end zone. Triple coverage, Isaiah Likely. I don't know what he saw. Well, so I went back and watched a play from the 
the the camera in the end zone. Oh, he put his and hand likely, up. And likely, you yeah. know, putting his hand up like I'm open, I'm open. First off, guy, you got two guys right in front of you. And the third coming and over. And the third coming over. So, I mean, obviously, Jackson cannot rely on hand motions to throw the football, but. Mm. Um, I, I think in that kind of moment, it was just desperation and not really thinking, trying to force a play. And I think that's something that Jackson will continue to learn as he plays in these bigger games going forward. But um, I was disappointed with the Ravens' defense in the first half. They held their own in the second half, gave Baltimore so many opportunities to tie that game up and possibly win it as well. Um, so I think it falls on both of them. Um, I, I know this is not on the, the sheet here, but uh, did the Ravens blow their chance at a Super Bowl? I don't. I don't think so personally. Uh, this is a great Ravens unit. I think they're. I haven't. And again, I haven't looked at this since we. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't really on there. But uh, they're going to get a lot of this unit back. I think. Um, I'll have to go double check. But I think they do keep a lot of this core together um, next year uh, and beyond. So I don't think this was their only chance. Their only window. Um, for me, this was just the first time they broke through to get a chance to play in this game. Um, and so now that they've been here, I think you can go back, you can learn a lot, and you could be back in this game eventually. Yeah, I, I do think that they can be back. I think the biggest question mark going into next year is going to be that defense. I think they've got yeah. some key pieces that are on uh, free agency, uh, so they might get swooped up if they can't afford to bring those guys back. Uh, so that maybe swings me towards, yeah, maybe their best shot. But, I mean, this is their first one since they went uh, since they went in like 2012 against the Niners yeah. since they've been to uh, that AFC title game. So, I mean, uh, this is still a young crew. I think they've, like you said, they've got a lot of learning to do. I think Zay Flowers, for the most part, besides some boneheaded uh, play and, you know, losing the football in just a freak accident like he did, uh, I think these, this team still does have a lot of potential. They have enough uh, experience there to uh, bring some comfort to it, uh, maybe control uh, just the headspace of the team. But, uh, yeah, I think – as of this moment right now, I still think it might be their best shot at it. Joe Burrow's out. Josh Allen, you don't have to play against. Um, a lot of these AFC South teams have now found their quarterbacks of the future. Um, the Steelers are down. The Browns had Joe Flacco playing at quarterback. A lot of teams with backups at quarterback that you had to get by this season. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that it is – it was their only opportunity, but I think if you look at what this year was like, I mean, Joe Flacco was playing a, in a playoff game at age 38. Um, Jake Browning's the starting quarterback of the uh, the Bengals. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud is a rookie who kind of had a great season, but like a rookie isn't going far in the playoffs unless you're Brock Purdy and have an all-star group around you. Um, and, and they lose a lot of uh, – they have got a lot of free agents as well. Uh, Patrick Queen, um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Gus Edwards, Devin Duvernay, uh, Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, a lot of key pieces also missing as well. I'm not saying this is their only opportunity, but I think if I'm Lamar, I'm looking at who I will have to face next year. And it's it, it could be very tough because if you just go down the list of quarterbacks he's going to have to face most likely – um, you've got Justin Herbert now with Jim Harbaugh. You've got C.J. Stroud in year two. Um, obviously, you know, your Mahomes, your Allen, your Burrow, um, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, hopefully, he he gets back on stride. There are a lot of great quarterbacks in this in this conference now, and you know, I, I feel like this was a a golden opportunity for them. The Chiefs are down this year. This is probably the the least talented Chiefs team they've had. And you have the home field advantage. I, I just have a hard time seeing how it gets any better than the opportunity you had uh, on Sunday. Now, uh, back to the script here. Um, did experience play a factor uh, on Sunday? It definitely did, especially on the defensive side for the Chiefs. I think guys that have been there, like your Chris Jones, uh, you know, like Nick Bolton, um, guys like that that anchor that defense. I think they've they've been there. They know the moment. Um, and they knew exactly what to do, mm -hmm. um, and they were able to go in and make plays. They weren't making mistakes. You know, they were going in and making the big plays, um, and that was that was huge. Obviously, we know what Mahomes was going to do. He, he's been mm -hmm. there six times yeah. uh, at this point. We knew he was going to go out there and perform well, and he did just that uh, and did everything that he needed to do to win his team the game. Uh, <clears throat> on the Ravens side, I think they had some boneheaded moments. Uh, a few, you know, the Flowers taunting call. Obviously, we don't know how that drive ends if he does not. 
commit that penalty there. Uh, I think the Van Noy unsportsmanlike conduct was just a dumb penalty to take. Um, mm. I think that was that was early in the game. I think on a Very. Chiefs scoring drive uh, that set the tone on the road. You can't go taking penalties like that. And then obviously the roughing the passer where they hit Mahomes in the head uh, on the on the side of the head. <laughs> just dumb penalties. He yeah. got clocked on that. Oh one yeah, just, yeah. just <laughs> a few different dumb moments that yeah. all led to points uh, mm. or <clears throat> took points away from you in the case of Zay Flowers so you know just bad moments that of from guys that haven't been there uh and it's it's tough to see but it was expected we we figured that they might have this uh and it it cost him and Lamar didn't seem to be very comfortable either mm-hmm. uh we talked about that already between the pressure and just him making a few mistakes uh yeah experience I think also hindered the Ravens big time yeah and I mean have, having Mark Andrews come back for that game uh you know off of of I guess a short week you'd call it. I mean, he's he's just now off an of injury, and Isaiah Likely has been playing pretty solidly for that offense. I think that throws a wrench into your plans about how you attack that defense in the first place. Uh, but, yes, I definitely do think experience is a factor. I mean, Chris Jones was all over the place on that yeah. defensive line yesterday. He was getting pressure just about every time from what I could tell. Uh, so that along with, you know, that Mahomes-Kelsey connection was on fire yesterday. I mean, every time that Mahomes was needing something, Somebody. You saw Kelsey run one of those Travis Kelsey routes where he'll have one designed and then he'll just stop and he'll figure things out. Mm-hmm. So uh, that connection is still alive and well. Uh, and, of course, the defense was able to adjust to that, uh, make some plays in the second half. But, yeah, Lamar just in that second half just looked flustered. The whole team looked flustered on the offensive side. So uh, unable to take advantage of the spots that they were put in really came back to bite them. I think the first half is where the the jitters and the experience comes in the most, and I, I you know alluded to that first drive for the Chiefs earlier, and I think that it, it still stands. You know, they were able to have a perfect drive outside of getting stopped on third down, but they end up converting on fourth down. It, it just looked like it was easy for them. They marched right down the field, and for a majority of that first half, they had their way, and I felt like the the Ravens. Even if they had a little bit of life in that first half, they were never never able to put together a concrete drive. And in that second half, they're kind of scrambling. Now looking up the up at, up at gosh up at the scoreboard and realizing, oh crap, you know we've got to get back in this game and go a little bit off script and go off of what we've been successful on all year. So I think early on in these playoff games, uh, the team that has the more experience. And the more composed quarterback play usually does well, and and that was very evident in, in the game on Sunday between the Ravens and Chiefs. And the Chiefs now head to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Mahomes is now fourteen and three in the playoffs, just incredible, and is three and zero as an underdog uh, with another Super Bowl win. Is Patrick Mahomes the new goat? <sighs> I, I've, I've seen this floating around. Uh, I don't think so yet. I'll, I'll caveat this with I don't think so yet. Uh, if you're basing it on rings, it's still Tom Brady uh, for now. Uh, and now on the pace that Mahomes is on, uh, I think he will get to that point eventually. Um, but again, you got to hope he can keep doing it as long as Brady did. Mm-hmm. Brady won for almost 20 years uh, consistently. Uh, now, if, if Mahomes can keep up the longevity that Brady had, absolutely he's going to be at some point. Um, but right now, uh, no. Uh, in terms of raw ability, yeah, probably. I mean, he's easily you know most athletically talented quarterback I think we've ever seen. He makes plays that no one else in NFL history is able to make. Uh, but in terms of like playoff success, not yet. But I think he will be. I think I think he's starting to get into that discussion. Oh yeah. I mean I, I mean I think. Uh, you know, you think about just the talent of Aaron Rodgers, uh, what he's been able to do now. He lacks the success in the playoffs that Mahomes has already put together. Uh, but I think from a talent point, yes, absolutely. Uh, but going off of just playoffs, I, I think it's in contention. I mean, we know that this offense doesn't match up to the offensive years past that we've seen out of Kansas City with, you know, Travis Kelsey still there, of course, but Tyreek Hill, uh, he's gone. Uh, so that takes a big piece out of it. But I still kind of think this one leans on the defensive. Uh, I feel like this is a defensive Super Bowl for uh, Kansas City somehow, despite the play of Mahomes. I, I just think – I still think he's in contention, but I'd put this one more on the defense rather than the offense. Tom Brady has the greatest resume of all time, but I think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player of all time. and I, I think it's because 
he has the ability not only to win games with his arm, but also extend plays with his legs and make plays that Brady necessarily couldn't make. Now, I, I know that uh, you know in, in sports sometimes the uh, what's happening right now recency bias uh, kicks in, but to me, I, I think Brady was so so good. But I don't think he's as talented as Mahomes is. And I think so far what we've seen in Mahomes' early career, I mean, the guy's gone to AFC Championship after AFC Championship, and the only way to beat him is in overtime where he's lost two of them. Um, And and that in itself, and they're good quarterbacks as well. It's not like he's losing to some chumps. Um, So I, I think that Brady has obviously the better resume right now. But I think that Mahomes is the better quarterback and the ability and, and, and the plays that he can make. And it's no, it's no shade to Tom Brady, but, I mean, uh, Mahomes is just special. And we saw that again yesterday. A couple of those plays, you just sit back and go, what? I mean, how? You know? and, and to me, I, I think he is the greatest player we have seen. Obviously, we've, he's got to get a better resume to, to fit that GOAT title. Um, but I, I think he's definitely on, on that trajectory. Um, and when we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway, give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping cleaning and camera inspecting visit rogershydrantservice.com back here on overtime on a monday night thank you so much for joining us it's now time for our best bets of the night and i'll begin with houston minus five uh, Kelvin Sampson's team, guys, is the standard of, of defense in the country. Number one in defensive efficiency and a sparkling top ten 
in the following defensive categories, three-point percentage, turnover percentage, block percentage, steal percentage, two-point percentage, and field goal percentage. This team does it all, and they're 14th in adjusted offense as well. Uh, This team is a really, really good team, and they've gone uh, right back to where they were before they went on that two-game spread, or two-game skid, I should say. Mm. Uh, Going on the road and playing Texas tonight, and Texas does have a couple good guards and can get some offense going, but I think Houston's defense is just too good. I'm going to take the minus five on the road. Houston minus five for me. Uh, I'll start with Duke, minus three and a half at Virginia Tech. Coming off a gritty win against Clemson at Cameron Indoor uh, that came down to some free throws. Clemson, obviously a very talented team. They're no slouch by any means, a ranked team for much of the season. Um, But this is another good spot, I think, for Duke to get a statement road win, kind of you know, right the ship, if you will, uh, in some of their uh, last few games. Uh, This is a good opportunity. Virginia Tech's a good team, but the veteran core now in Duke uh, with Filipowski, Roach, Mike Mitchell uh, is going to be even better tonight. They've been putting something together this season so far uh, so I like them minus three and a half uh I have got I found Houston at minus four and a half so at Texas I. so there yeah I, I hit that because I mean they're they're coming off of just a shellacking against uh Tang or coach Tang in Kansas State this past weekend so I, th- I think that continues rolling uh I, I think their defense has been shut down I think they're going to continue to be shut down tonight uh so that's my first pick Houston minus four and a half and I think you have another one Oh, I have three. I yeah, mean, if you want to just go my, through them. Yeah, my Did you only have one? My, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm one, going one pick, yeah, one I got two do, more still. Yeah, I'll <laughs> do my last two then real quick. Yeah, one, yeah. Give me the Timberwolves plus two and a half, I think, at Oklahoma City. I'm surprised to see them uh, an underdog tonight. Uh, same records for teams, but Minnesota's been playing really dominant basketball. Uh, Oklahoma City, again, no slouch, but I like this number as well, only two and a half on the road. Uh, I don't mind this number. It's a bounce-back spot for Minnesota coming off another just weird, brutal loss to San Antonio. Mm. So I like them here in a bounce-back spot. Now, Oklahoma City's won seven straight on their home floor, including a win just after Christmas against this Minnesota team. Um, but I, I do like Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves to get uh, under that two-and-a-half number tonight. I have faded you here. I've gone Thunder minus two and a half. Uh, here we go. I, yeah. yeah, I know. We'll see the battle out here. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Thunder coming off just a really bad loss against the Pistons on the road. So, I mean, surely if you, if you lose to the Pistons, you really don't want to lose the next game because then you really start asking questions about yourself. Now, granted, they're tied for first in the West. Uh, they've been playing well, but – just internally, that that just makes me kind of want to just like ugh, crawl into a ball and just not get out of it. So uh, I think the Thunder get back to it tonight. I've got them minus two and a half. Last one for me uh, is going to be Lakers minus one and a half, one and a half at Houston tonight. Houston's dealing with some injuries. Uh, uh, Jabari Smith as well as Victor Oladipo both out for Houston tonight. Lakers playing good basketball. Winners of five of their last seven, um, and they have to keep winning games. Or those trade deadline questions we talked about are only going to continue to get yeah. louder. So uh, this is a good opportunity with. A couple guys out for Houston, a couple key guys. Uh, the Lakers have a, a big opportunity. And again, I really like that one and a half number on the road. I have got. I guess we picked each other's teams tonight because I've got Suns minus or plus three, excuse me, at the Heat. I've, Miami's coming off of six straight losses, uh, and you know. Granted, the the last two games for the Suns haven't gone their way, but I mean we've seen some stellar performances from Devin Booker putting up sixty two and forty four. So maybe tone that back a little bit more. Maybe get uh, KD back into the ring of things. Get him back uh, looking like he has for the most part of the year. I mean he's still averaging about twenty eight, twenty nine right now. So I think he probably hits that clip tonight against his Heat team that's really struggling as of late. I've got Suns plus three. All right, and those are our best bets of the night. Uh, let's see, real well, real quick recap, Houston minus five for me. Dawson, yours? Uh, Duke minus three and a half, Timberwolves plus two and a half, and Lakers minus one and a half. And Jace? And I have Houston minus four and a half, Thunder minus two and a half, and Suns plus three. All right, that's going to wrap us up here for our number one on overtime and come back with us in the next hour for we when we talk about Detroit's collapse in the biggest moment. We'll also ask the question, has Dawn Connect locked down the SEC Player of the Year? A lot to stay tuned here for on Overtime.